Well, I wish I had some friends in West Virginia And I wish they had a cabin in the trees We spent three days and nights in West Virginia And it was enough, it was enough, it was enough It was enough, it was enough, it was enough It was enough It was enough I was all the way in love, she was pretending I was all the way in love, she understood Other days were long, the nights I don't remember But I know they were good, I know they were good, I know they were good I know they were good, they were good, they were good I know they were good I know they were good When you go When you go When you go You gotta go You gotta go You gotta Here, 2020. Welcome back Welcome to audio. Back. Took, audio. Took a couple audio. months off there. I went to Europe and I went to up and down the Pacific Northwest and I had all kinds of stuff happened. And uh, it's the past and now it's now. And that means it's February and it's 2020. And we're here. And the Freedom Tour begins in mere months now. Hello, friends. I am Chevy. Welcome to my shed. How are you today? How's life in your world? How's things where you are? I hope everything is good and grand and wonderful. Today, I want to share something with you that I received in the mail, which is a very strange place to receive things. Um, but I got a letter from a man uh, that I've never met and who has never met me. And it came to my P.O. box, which... Uh, I find strange. Last fall, I sent out letters to anybody who had purchased North Star online that had bought a CD or a vinyl of North Star. I had all these addresses of people, and so I just mailed them a letter to those addresses. The man's name is John Elliott. John Elliott um, is a musician. He is a solo folk artist, and I've been listening to his music uh, for like a decade or more. It's been... I don't know, 10 or 15 years I've been listening to his music. It was right around Christmas time or New Year's that somehow I got turned on to Chevy Dodd and his YouTube podcast called The Daily Shed. And I knew his name because he's been a supporter and a fan for over 10 years. And I have purchased music from him in the past uh, that he has shipped personally to me. And I've been mailing various pieces of merchandise to him periodically since then. Whenever I put out a new album, I, I recognize the name Chevy Dot. I recognize the West Virginia address. 
And so I knew who he was just from that. John, if you if you're watching, I, neat. I that amazes me. Um, he decided to do a podcast on his uh, YouTube, his YouTube, what do you call it? A vlog? He decided to vlog on his YouTube channel about the Freedom Tour letter. His name is John Elliott. Very folk, independent, you know, man and a guitar singing songs. His website is thehereafterishere.com. Ah, same confusing, confusing website I've had for 15, 20 years. Whatever it was. 15, almost. 16 years. Thehereafterishere.com. Because you know what? It is, and why not? And I'm not changing horses in midstream, and there's a... Artisanal luxury sweatsuit, sweatpant, hoodie designer named John Elliott who started buying Google ads like five years ago. And so he's johnelliot.com or whatever and you know what uh, the name the names and the challenges of naming and naming myself and other people's names as just one of the things i'm just letting go at this point in my life is names so things are what they are and that's how it is and so the website is the hereafterishere.com and so it shall remain t-h-e-h-e-r-e-a-f as in frank t-e-r-i-s-h-e-r-e.com the hereafterishere.com and it's a new web store it's a new website it's a new web store there's a new store slash store slash store i'm actually pretty excited about it i i went for it i spent a lot of time working on it and i think it looks really good i'm Feeling positive about it. Positive, positive about it. And so I was really shocked to get this this letter in the mail, you know, addressed to me, Chevy Dodd at P.O. Box 8023, handwritten by John. But I want to read you the opening part of this, and it says, Chevy, my mom and I have been exchanging political text messages for the last while, and something she wrote struck me. She said, do you have any conservative people in your world besides me? And the quick answer is no. Now, if you don't know anything about John Elliott, he lives in San Francisco, California, which is probably the most, maybe, the most liberal city on the planet. And he's a conservative. He's a conservative. He's a conservative. Hello? Chevy. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Dude. <laughs> This is like a triumph of the internet that we're talking right now. You know, I completely agree with you because if it wasn't for the internet, I would have never discovered John Elliott. And, you know, that was like 15 years ago or something. The internet. If we're talking about connection and communication, the internet is a real double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, it could be used for such great powers and also for such evil. Good and evil. Big, 2020 is going to be about big Real big themes, big ticket items. We're feeling it, man. I was in the post office mailing out hats the other day. Hats are for sale. Hats are for sale. On the store. www.thehereafterishere.com slash store. Hats are for sale, and they're pretty cool. I'm pretty stoked and, about uh, them. And I was mailing out hats. Hats, hats are for sale. sale. They had like the 2020, it said on the flat screen. Post, post office, office rules or whatever. 2020. And it, that number just looked so strong and really powerful. We're really going to be in a, a moment real... here collectively. So... We'll see what happens. While we're at it, Freedom Tour 2020. The hereafter is here.com slash Freedom Tour 2020. Or just the hereafter is here.com. The menu should be very beautiful. And thanks to Squarespace. Squarespace, my new thing that I use to make my website since 2020. Squarespace. You too can have Squarespace. I don't, I'm not getting paid for that ad. But Squarespace was great. Very happy with it. Yeah, well... I mean, I guess, like, to begin the conversation, thank you for being 
a supporter all these years. Like I, the name Chevy Dodd and West Virginia, like I have mailed packages there. I, every time I'm like, cool, man, there's this guy in West Virginia, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, I think I, I discovered your music, like I think it was around 2008 or 10 or something like that. I think somehow we have a mutual friend or at least somebody that you know who introduced me to you. And then, I remember wanting like all of your music, but most of it was not in print anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I emailed you and you were like, when I get to LA, I will burn CDs and send them to you. And you did. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in like 2008 or something. And I still have them. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the DIY folk music world, that's the nature of it, you know? Sure. Sure. The CD thing is interesting because it's like, even back then, 2008, your volume was higher of what you could sell on CD. You know, like if you think about how much things have changed just since then, like they didn't have streaming back then. Yeah, I remember I, have, I like tweeted you years ago or a few years ago for the, the album that only came on CD. And I was like, what do I do with this? Like, I have to figure out a way to use this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's just trying as many different ways as possible, you know? Right, 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 right. But anyway, that is to say thank you for thank you for the support. It's really cool to know that the music goes out there to whatever corner of the world it goes to and is heard in whatever way it is. I mean, that's the whole point of making stuff. Right, yeah. No, I, yeah, thanks for the awesome music. It's kept me company for a lot of years. That's cool, man. Well, one of these days i got to come to West Virginia. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good state. Yeah, so, all right, your Daily Shed video blew my mind. Yeah, okay. It blew my mind. Because when I watched it, well, it's it really is making me think about all kinds of things about this project, Chevy, because I almost don't want to talk about what my politics are. Right. Seeing you say that made me, and then seeing the people respond to it, I was like, yeah, that's not the point of this at all. Right. So I, I hesitate to even address that aspect of it, and maybe I won't, but what really was interesting to me is that when I reread my letter, it could totally be read that way. Right. That I was a conservative living in San Francisco, just drowning in all these liberals, and all I could do is text my mom. And so he's decided that he's going to do something about that. He's going to try to, to make a change. And he's going to do that by doing a Freedom Tour 2020. And his Freedom Tour 2020, the redder the better. John wants to basically bike and or, I think, train. He's going he's gonna to set out to perform in red states and red districts and red counties. And he wants to make as many connections as possible. He wants to not just go perform in a city... Uh, but he also wants to attend council meetings and talk to the people there and find out what makes them tick and, and kind of meet other conservatives. He says, I will perform only in counties and states that voted red in 2016. The redder, the better. I will spend my time in each place long enough to meet people. I will go to city council meetings. I will seek connections with people who, who do not look like me. I will document this journey on social media and on my monthly podcast, Audio do, Audiodes. I, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, um, I had some, some, some of your fans respond. Like, I think you really need to reread that letter. And, and I'm like, I, I, mean, I just took it at face value. I didn't really think about... It wants to be a bard, essentially, um, and doing some sort of conservative tour. 
John does identify as a conservative. And so he wants to, um, you know, he wants you to kind of, kind of help fund this thing. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that's the reason why I'm okay with sharing the message. Not because I know John Elliott from his music and I'm a fan or anything like that. It has to do with the idea of biking 3,500 miles along the historical Lewis and Clark Trail from St. Louis to the Pacific, playing shows along the way in so-called red state rural America, connecting and communicating with the America that is not inside my comfort zone and not inside my liberal California bubble and seeing what I can find and being inspired by that. And this conversation today with Chevy is a real great way to start to get into that headspace because I loved what he had to say and I loved talking with him about West Virginia. I don't think about politics. It's not really a thing that, you know, I think about it in terms of when I really wish that, you know, these laws didn't exist or these laws did exist, but I don't think of it in terms of red versus blue or, you know, I'm much more kind of moderate to live, you know, just I want laws that make sense kind of person. So when I read it, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, but go, go explore that, you know, no big deal. <laughs> it really highlights the spirit of what I'm doing because I don't want it to be political. I want it to be apolitical. I want it to be, I mean, for lack of a better word, human. I want it to be about connection and conversation and communion with human. <laughs> human communion? Human communion? Uh, uh, uh. uh. That's what I want it to be. And so human, human communion, connection and, and conversation and communion with human. With human. I almost don't want to reveal my politics. I think to a certain extent in my music, certainly if you've seen me live and I've gotten into it, some of that might be obvious, but maybe that's one of the biggest problems is that you just assume someone's entire spirit and thinking from what they, their politics, you know? If I were to say a politician's name or a party, one of the parties or something, it like immediately colors how people think about me. So it was a great way to launch the project in a lot of ways, to keep it focused on what I want it to be about. Human communion? So I'm thankful to Chevy for that. I'm, I'm thankful to the, I don't even want to say misunderstanding. I'm thankful for his interpretation of the letter. Did it like threaten your relationship with my work? Not a, no, not at all. Okay. Not even close, no. Like, in fact, I, I think, you know, just... Just that same night, I was like, you know, one of my favorites is still the Lincoln and Douglas debates, and I went and listened to it. Like, maybe did I miss something? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that song's kept me company a lot. Yeah, so that's that's cool, man. Like, what the spirit of this? I mean, this whole morning I've been emailing people along this route and putting, trying to put these shows together, and it's like. Isn't it crazy, this moment that we're in as a country? What's it feel like in West Virginia? Like, Is there like um, heightened tension between people? No. And West Virginia is, I mean, I've been, I've been, I don't want to say I've been to every state in the Union, but I've been to most states in the Union. And I think, you know, objectively, I can say that West Virginia is a very different place. Um, I mean, like, we're sheltered. Like, we are one of the lowest performing economic states in the union. And because of that, like, the national climate doesn't really affect us at all. 
you know, during the housing crash, during the housing crash, my house went up 8%. Like, we, we are sheltered from the national economy. We're also sheltered from weather. Like, we have mountains on both sides of us, so there's no, there's no natural disasters here. Like, there's, we're kind of our own little ecosystem that just kind of feeds itself. We don't have exports. We don't have imports. You know, we have everything in imports, essentially. But, you know, nobody's buying our coal anymore. So, like, everything that exists here, it just, it, it just kind of, because we're here. You know, I've, I've made the joke before that if you drive to parts of West Virginia, there's all these little towns that everybody forgot to leave. Like, industry left the town, but the people just like, well, this is where I live, so I'm going to stay here. And there's nothing there because there's no reason for that place to exist other than people just forgot to leave. <laughs> yeah, so we're – no, there's not a lot of tension. That being said, you know, I live in the northern part where – WVU is just above me. I work in Morgantown where WVU is, and so that's a pretty liberal college town. Morgantown, West Virginia. It's where West Virginia University is. You know, half of that town's population is because of the university. You know, when the kids come to school, the the population of the town doubles. You know, like, so that is a little bit different, and there's definitely, you know, student unions and stuff that like to have, you know, rallies and that sort of stuff but outside of that the rest of the state just kind of doesn't does nothing it doesn't affect us essentially <laughs> that's really interesting yeah there was a lot of hope that like you know trump's gonna bring coal back okay right uh he's gonna he's gonna get rid of all these regulations that are that are keeping us from mining coal like there's not regulations keeping them from mining coal there's nobody buying it if there was anybody buying it trust me we'd be mining it <laughs> you know like that's right that's it, but right. I don't want to say we're too stupid to understand that, but as a as a as a state, we're too stupid to understand that. Like nobody wants to let go. Like corn's gone, let's move on. Like and all things change. All things change and evolve. Isn't that the theme? I guess that's the theme. Evolution, change, time. Audio thirty-two. But I wanted to talk for a little bit about time because I was going through these old hard drives, and this is just so weird. So. That song that I opened this audio with, obviously I sound very young in that song. It's called West Virginia. I think I, I mean, I wrote it in 2005 and it was going to maybe be on the Hereafter album. The recordings are from that same time and on that same hard drive and it got edited out of that. But I have this lyric sheet here from September 17th, 2005 including that not being in the song. And so then that recording that you heard the is winter from of 2006. And then after my conversation with Chevy, I'm going to play a recording from August of 2006, which is after I went on my first tour. And the difference is interesting. I think it's interesting to me anyway. I can hear it in my voice and I can hear it in everything about it, actually. Just it. the changes that happened in those seven months, eight months. And the magic of time, you know, the reason I bring that up when is... When I wrote that song, West Virginia, I'd never been to West Virginia. I had no connection with West Virginia. I think that's probably why I left it off the album. I had just no... nothing. Nothing to do with West Virginia. I don't even know if it's that good a song or what. I, I mean, it, you know, it's hard to say what's good, what's not. It just kind of was, and I was like, oh, I wrote this song about West Virginia. And it's almost know? like maybe Chevy started as a fan. He might have turned into a bit of a friend Distant today. Distant acquaintance friend. And he's all the way over there in West Virginia, you know? So it's almost Did like... Did I conjure him with this song spiritually before he found my music, which happened a couple years after I wrote and recorded the, the West, West Virginia, Virginia song? It's, it's stubbornness. It's mountain stubbornness. I mean, coal built this state. This, that's why this state exists, you know, as its own place is because of coal. 
And when it when it went away, that was it. Like, well, what do we do now? And nothing. Everybody here just kind of forgot to move on. Like, there's still people here that want to live the legacy of their grandfather. I mean, that doesn't exist anymore. Sorry. Like, that's not a thing. Uh, we had logging. Logging uh, wood was big, but our basically the entire state was clear cut in the in the early 1800s, which caused massive flooding and damages. And so, like half of our state now is a national forest, and and there's no more logging here, so that's gone. Interesting. That's really amazing. It's not just a West Virginia issue. It's like we're all dealing with what is our collective identity at this point. Right. And every industry is changing. I mean, we spoke a little bit about that with the music thing. Not that the music industry has disappeared. And there is no way that I can compare the changes in my lifestyle and income to what the end of the coal industry would be like. Right. But it is interesting the way that an industry can be completely erased or transformed. Right. I can just sort of understand on an intellectual level what that would do to your identity that you would just, because I always feel that, you know, like when I'm not touring or when I'm not feeling it and I'm not writing songs and that I feel good about, I like question completely who I am, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I just don't even know who I am. And when you say, oh yeah, I listen to that song. It's kept me good company. Like that means something to me so deep in my soul. Yeah. Cause it me, it's like who I am. So if you take away that from people, I understand why they would feel angry and lost. And this has essentially happened during my lifetime. I'm 40. I'll be 41 in a few weeks. And when I was a kid, the dream of coal was still a thing. Like you were going to grow up and go to the coal mines. That's what you did because it made, you know, you'd make 25 or $30 an hour starting out. And, and, you know, it was a good, it was a good life. And just within my lifetime, it's evaporated. And the vacuum is, we haven't figured out how to fill that vacuum yet, but everybody still lives here because, you know, nobody left. And and the current generation, you know, my my girlfriend is 17 years younger, and her generation is they just want to leave, like they just leave the state because there's nothing here. Like I just they just go. And um, you know, I felt some of that in the 90s as I was I realized that coal is not going to be my life. You know. Um, and it never was. I was always a clear to that I was going to leave. And I, you know, I did for a while when I came back. But, um, yeah, just in my lifetime, you know, my grandfather graduated or graduated. Yeah. My grandfather retired from the coal mines, you know, after 25 years and lived a great life. And, you know, that was everybody wanted that for themselves. It's been a very strange journey, you know. Talking to my father, he's 75 this year. When he was a kid, my little town in Fairmont right now, I think our population is like 14,000. And when he was a kid, our downtown is like, you know, three blocks or something. It's just a little, you know, but he says when he was a kid, like going downtown Fairmont was like going to Manhattan. It was shoulder to shoulder. Everybody was shopping and it was just crazy busy. And all these coal executives came into town on their extensive train cars and it's all gone. Like, you know, but the town's still here and there's people still here and we're still trying to figure out like, why do we exist here? What, what is, there's no industry here, you know, there's hunting, but it's not like going to the South and hunting where you go to these little ranches and they drive you around on a four wheeler until you shoot something. And cause we don't, we don't really have that kind of land. We don't have farming cause we're on the Hills, you know, 
there's some cattle here, beef cattle, but we don't really export that. It's weird, you know. You go to the West, you know, the Midwest and the West, like their populations have dwindled because machinery has replaced farmhands, but their industry is still the same industry it's always been. Like they just make corn or soy or whatever it is they're doing. There's still a market for it, and it's become more difficult to make a profit, but they're still going, whereas our industry just evaporated, you know? Wow. That's amazing. And how invigorating would it be for someone to come along and tell you that they can make all that come back? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what happens. I mean, that is the whole reason why Trump won this state is with coal. Hey, we're going to bring coal back. We're going to... Okay. And, you know. But so likely, so it's been four years and it didn't come back, did it? No, not at all. It got worse, I think. Right. Okay. Which is for the reason that you said that it, there's just no one buying it. Yeah. But he'll win that state again, won't he? Probably, yes. I think he's, I think he's got a pretty strong foothold. There is still a large pocket of, I guess I'd call it racism here. I don't necessarily know that it's racism as much as it is like, you know, self-preservationism. Is that, I mean, I don't want to deflect and call it something it isn't, but it's more like, you know, stay out of our business kind of thing. We're that kind of a state where it's like, we don't want you here. You know, we got this. Um, so there's still a bit of that. And, you know, he's going to build a wall. And when we had in 20... Yeah, you guys are you guys are a long ways from the wall in West Virginia. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though. In 2010, I think, um, maybe even a little bit before 2010 is when fracking really came to the state. And suddenly there was this natural gas boom that lasted for a few years. And that brought a whole lot of migrant workers to the state. And there was a, there was a, you know, there was some tension at that time. But the thing about natural gas and fracking is basically you do it once and then everything stays in place and then you move on. So it only lasted a couple of years because now all the wells are in place. They don't, there's no more work. (laughs) Uh, They already sunk all the wells they can sink, but the migrants are still here. Um, So that was tough. Um, You know, and as somebody who has seen a little bit more of the world than most of my peers, like I'm all about it. Like, yes, please bring me more culture, more options, more, you know, people to interact with that aren't upset. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I believe in the democratic system. I believe that no matter what I think is right, us as a whole get to choose what's right for us. And if you are a conservative or if you uh, live along John's route, um, you know, from... It's a pretty wild route. I'm pretty stoked about it's it. It's off the beaten path. I'm going to need to find some a lot of contacts and a lot of connections in places I've never looking been. Looking for gigs. Looking it for It starts spots. in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm get off the Amtrak in St. Louis, Missouri, and then I'm going to roll... I'm just going to roll west, man. It's along the... Katy Trail in Missouri, largely, which follows the Missouri River. You're largely following the Missouri River. It's the... It's the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Some of the big cities on the stop, some of the big cities on the tour. You got Jefferson City, Missouri. You got Council Bluffs, Iowa, Omaha on the Nebraska side. Sioux City, Iowa. Bone Steel, North Dakota. Pierre, South Dakota. Bismarck, North Dakota. Dickinson, to any and North all. Dakota. Great Listening Falls, Montana, Fort Peck, Montana, Missoula, Montana, Clarkston, I think is into Washington, or maybe Idaho, and then it goes all the way to Portland, and eventually Seaside, Oregon, and the Pacific Ocean. And all 
points in between. So if you know anybody along that route and you want to help me put together the Freedom Tour, it is freedomtour2020 at gmail.com. And cool. So if you would like to see John succeed in this adventure, send him some cash. He's asking that you PayPal him, uh, paypal.me slash freedomtour2020, or you can Venmo him at freedomtour2020. He wants to fund the expedition because he says, I would like to be able to accept any and all invitations to perform regardless of the financial situation. I will be cycling through uh, Wounded Knee, South Dakota, and I would love to play there where the medium income is $7,292. I don't want to ask them for money. I agree. And I think this is something... Seriously worth considering. Uh, I've loved everything he's ever written. So uh, it, it means something to me. It also means something to me that it, this is, this is we're nearing 2020, and this man wrote, a, a, you know, it's a form letter, but, you know, it's got his actual signature. It's got my name on it. It's got our names and addresses, on, you know, handwritten on the envelope. This guy, is he's doing, he's doing the thing that, He's taking action, which is, I think, a lot more than most of us can say. <laughs> and that's really remarkable. It's cool that you stayed, Chevy. I mean, it sounds like your family, you have deep family ties there. Yeah, I stayed because uh, I left. I joined the Marine Corps, uh, did four years in the Marines. I did uh, three years in Hawaii. I've traveled uh, in uh, small bits here and there for... Um, board game publishing industry and and I've had opportunities but everything just kind of pulls me back like there's something to that security I was talking about like our wages are low but they're stable and the job market though it's weak is stable like if you can make a living you're going to make a living and, and it's okay yeah see you know what's so funny about that one of the words that I could never ascribe to living in Los Angeles or San Francisco or anywhere in California is stable. Yeah. I mean, it, on, on so many levels, it's like, obviously like at any point the earth could shake. That's not very stable. Right. But also every conversation here within two minutes, you're talking about housing and expenses and how are you going to make it? And what if you want to have kids? And it's the opposite of stable. Yeah. It's very stable. It's, it's, there's comfort in it if you can if you can make it you know if you can if you can get the house then you're gonna have the house like it's not just gonna suddenly become cost prohibitive it, it's just uh, I don't know it's, I don't know I've always been kind of outdoorsy uh, I like to fish and stuff so that's here uh, I like having seasons <laughs> even though we don't have much of those anymore but still occasionally get to see snow and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man so you know uh, I'm a state employee now so it's like I'm a software developer but I'm a state employee so I make state employee wages as a software developer which is like probably half of this area's market value for a software developer but there's comfort and stability in it and for some reason I'm attracted to that you know I accept the fact that I don't make LA wages for software development, but I also, you know, get 50 days off a year and I never work weekends or nights and I'm not expected to spend 10 hours in the office, you know, like there's a whole lot of trade-offs. It's the same thing living here. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's a very economically depressed place, 
But Pittsburgh's like an hour and a half drive. If I want to go to the city and see a show, it's only an hour and a half away. And if I lived in L.A., it's probably about an hour and a half to the theater anyway. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's actually... It's not, yeah. To go two miles in L.A. is an hour and a half. I can go an hour and a half. I'm two hours away. You know? And it's a nice drive. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. It's basically the same distance for me to get to New York or to Atlanta or, you know, go east to Dayton or even Indianapolis. So it was kind of like a comfortable spot to spread out all over the East Coast without having to leave home, you know, for weeks at a time. So, you know, it's, it's, it's my state. I'm not, I don't necessarily have like Texas pride, you know, I'm sure you've seen the Texas pride thing. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, I'm also comfortable here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I mean, the, the clarity with which you're able to say, well, home, the idea of home, that's an elusive concept. Right. That seems like that's something that you are able to really, really understand. That's that's pretty cool. Thank you. I mean, honestly, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Austin, what'd you meant? Maybe to a lesser extent, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis. None of these towns care if you're there or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can leave the next day and they don't give a shit. Yeah, it's like right. it's like you never existed. Yeah. Yeah very true oh man it's great to talk to you chevy thanks for agreeing to to chat a little bit i just i i was so tickled by uh you know i just i'm so excited about this this project i think it's going to just be a really interesting way to connect with people i love the idea just even the fact that it led me to you making that video and then us talking and me learning this hearing you talk about what's happened in your state. It's like, exactly. That's exactly the point. That's awesome. That's amazing. And then I'm going to share this to the, whoever listens to the audios and that exposes them to that story. And then I'll tell them about the daily shed and maybe they go listen to you and that exposes them to your, will you talk about that for a second? What is the daily shed? Let's tell the people about the daily shed. Um, the daily shed started as a project for my kids, essentially. It was rooted in the idea of when my grandfather passed, before he passed, he had shared all these stories with me, and he was very sick, but he was, we thought he was going to get better. So I kind of didn't, I didn't take notes, you know? And then when he, when he passed, I was like, God, I really wish I had, like, taken notes and, and really kind of wrote or recorded Grandpa telling me all these wonderful stories about West Virginia in the 1920s and how he grew up and, you know, his life. And I didn't have any of that. And then I realized that, you know, I, my life on this planet is not permanent. So maybe I should put some sort of record together for my kids. And so it kind of started off as a way for me to put down my thoughts so that they could always have access to them, whether we were apart or, you know, physically or, uh, you know, apart spiritually or whatever, they would always know if I want to know what dad thinks about this, what do I, what, you know, I can go look that up. My kids moved out, uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And then it really took on kind of a different, it was a way for me to talk to them every day. Um, they could watch if they wanted to, you know, what is dad thinking about today? And it became a little bit more personal and, um, it's just been that way for a while now. Uh, I kind of, some days I review a product or a book or a movie or a video game or other days I just, 
talk about mental health topics or sometimes somebody sends me a letter that I don't quite understand and I talk about it and promote it. <laughs> I love it. I love it, dude. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's more or less like an open diary. You know, it's it's I can share objects because of video. I can show things that I've made or I can uh, share, you know, things that I've found and, and enjoy or or I can just talk about, you know, life and what it's like being a father of two, you know, separated and that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's also the video medium is powerful because as you age or like your beard changes or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll have this like beautiful yeah. visual representation of that arc. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I use it. I've I've lost a little bit of weight recently, and it's really weird to go look at myself from, you know, because you look at a photograph and you can be like, oh, I don't really remember that. But then you go watch that person in motion, and it's like, oh, I really was quite bigger back then. Or you know, like you said, my well, my beard was my beard was darker back then. Or look how much my hair is graying. <laughs> you know, dude, yeah, the graying. It's like right about this time. Your your whole. That's happening to me too. I'm seeing it. I, I just look in the mirror sometimes at the end of the day, and I'll be like, "Ooh, I'm kind of like, I'm like ripening <laughs> or something." <laughs> you know, like I can see I'm ripening. I like that. Yeah, it's like, ooh, there's uh, just something happening there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think we have reached, uh, you know, the human species natural lifespan, and now we're in the extended period where medicine oh, has allowed us to stay alive longer than we're supposed to. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know what the sweet spot is, but I'd like another couple decades. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I want to keep sticking around. But my grandma is ninety-four. Yeah. And visit her, she literally will say, "Why am I still here?" Right. Yeah. You know, like her husband died. Wow. Now, like thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago, she's been alone. You know. Oh wow. I mean. And even he had a stroke, so the last four years where she was his caretaker, th- that's amazing to think about that much time. Yeah. I have a similar experience with my grandmother. She she spent eight years in a nursing home with Alzheimer's and just was like, she was angry all the time, like, what is going on with me, you know? But then she had a sister who lived 10 years longer than her and was perfectly healthy until she was 95, and then she just, that was it, you know? Yeah. She swam every day. She drove her car every, you know, and it's, I don't know, you don't know which, which one of those scenarios is going to be you. And then, you know, like, I don't want to forget myself, but I definitely need a few more decades. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, how about that's a good place to leave it. Here's to a few more decades. Yes, I agree. A few more decades and a bunch more John Elliott songs. Yeah, I hope so, man. I, I thank you. I mean, really, Chevy. I I really appreciate you uh, just listening more than anything. I mean, I appreciate this connection, but I also just appreciate you listening to music and sending me ten bucks every couple of years or whatever it is. I that's really cool. <laughs> no problem. I, I love it. You know, I, I've uh, I developed a deep love for for folk music, and um, it's always been a wonderful medium. When, when I can reach out to a person individually and say, can I get some of your stuff? And they go, yes, as opposed to, you know, some corporation. Yeah, I, you know, for, that's one of the beauties of being older, too. I mean, I, for the longest time, I think I was dreaming that a corporation would, right. you know, welcome me into their bosom and 
yeah. make me some big whatever I thought was going to happen. And uh, I'm so glad I made it long enough to be like, oh, that's not what I want at all. You know? Yeah. It just, that is not what I want. I appreciate the honesty of your music. And, you know, I think even looking back over your catalog, I think you can see a lot of personal growth, you know, the same as you said with my, with my video, I can see it in your music and I can see the themes that have, have, you know, brought you to these points in your life. And, uh, it's, it's wonderful. One of the reasons just the way this song changed in this small little microcosm of this song changing from before I went on my first tour and played for a bunch of people I didn't know and met a bunch of people who didn't know me and the ways in which that changed me. You can hear it in the difference in these two recordings and you can argue about one is better than the other. I, it's interesting because I can draw all kinds of my own personal narratives from it, but I, they're just different. There is change. Change happened. I changed. And one of the people that I met in these last couple months as I've been talking about this project, he really very seriously kept saying to me, this is going to change you. This is going to change you. And not in a flippant way, in a very pointed way, he kept looking at me and being like, this is going to change you. And it's interesting to be before that change. And the thing about change is you don't know what you're going to lose and what you're going to gain. There's this Twitter thing that I follow, Buddhism Daily on Twitter, and this thing that they tweet like almost monthly. It's like, stop thinking about what could go wrong and start thinking about what could go right. And that's a nice positive affirmation for making change and making changes and not worrying and just moving ahead. And at the same time, I don't know if wrong or right is really even part of the equation. It's just change. It's different. And that's change. You can zoom out on that concept for a while, you know? Hope and change, the ways in which the country has changed. It'll be five years this summer that this guy has grabbed our attention as a nation and just held it. Regardless of what you think about him, I mean, it's like, that's a lot of time to be entranced by this individual, either entranced in anger or entranced in adoration, adulation, whatever it is. Fury, hate, love. Five years, a lot of change. And it's not, for some people it's good change. Make America great again. For some people it's bad change. Fascism. <laughs> it's just, it's really, change is a loaded idea. Personal change, any kind of change, is a loaded idea because all that you know is that it will change. You will change. Something will change. When you go, you gotta go. But just this idea that, like, a change was gonna happen. There was gonna be no going back. You just gotta go. Move forward. It's gonna change and you're just gonna keep going forward. That's all you can do. You can't go back. There's even a theory there's a time travel theory. Scientists who have studied time travel in Princeton believe that it's possible to go forward in time. It, it actually like theoretically is possible to go forward in time, but it's actually impossible to go back. You can't go back in time. You can't go back in time. Back in time doesn't exist. You can't go back. And there's a song on the new album, The Information Age, coming soon. When? When is it going to come? I don't know. I don't know. 
There's a song on that called Never Should Have Left, and the chorus or the refrain is, I never should have left the first time. And the song's about a lot of things, like all songs are about a lot of things, but what I was referring to or getting at or thinking of with that line was when I left for that first tour. Because in the space I was in when I wrote that song, Never Should Have Left, I was thinking I was regretful for the inevitable changes that occurred. I was in a dark, sad place when I wrote that song, and I wanted to go back in time to before those changes to that playful, spirited version of the West Virginia song that opened this audio. I wanted to go back to that. Because that first time I left, man, everything changed. I wish I had some friends in West Virginia And I wish they had a cabin in the trees We spent three days and nights in West Virginia And it was enough, it was enough, it was enough It was enough, it was enough, it was enough It was enough It was enough I was all the way in love, she was pretending I was all the way in love, she understood Other days were long, the nights I don't remember But I know they were good, I know they were good, I know they were good I know they were good, I know they were good, I know they were good I know they were good I know they were good When you go When you go When you go You gotta go You gotta go When you go When you And so he's decided that he's going to do something about that. He's going to try to, to make a change. 